Today is about two things, primarily. Um, inspiration, which I hope you got some, even from that sober but encouraging and inspiring um, testimony, and engagement. I hope that you will, in, even today, maybe, maybe you already did this, some of you, but in this week, you'll meet a missionary, maybe have lunch or dinner with a missionary, uh, pray with a missionary, but I hope even more that you will become in your everyday life, a missionary, like those uh, women did who all have jobs and lives in this community and others, many others that we're not sharing in this brief service this morning, even here from our church. And now you may do that this coming year because you decide to go on a trip like this. There will be some uh, even talked about, and you can, you can let us know that in your card this morning. If you want to go on a trip in 2019, you can do that in India. You can do that in Senegal. You can do that at the, at the Rochester City School District and tutor some kids. Uh, you can do that in a number of the organizations that were on the screen uh, before. You can do that by starting to pray more intentionally for the people that you work with or you live around or you go to the gym with. But my hope is that you will move a step closer even this morning at simply going wherever God has called you to go. This morning we are back in this series uh, that we started, those of you who weren't here, called Telling Secrets in the Parables of Jesus. Most of them, or a lot of them in Matthew 13, if you have a copy of the Bible, open up Matthew 13, and we will look at just a few verses in this uh, service this morning. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46 the twin parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. Matthew 13, 44 to 46. Follow along as I read these verses. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. First point that I want to make, I think Jesus is making here, is the call of God is priceless. The call of God is priceless. Now remember, this series is about telling secrets. Those are, that's Jesus' metaphor, not mine, if you were here all a couple weeks ago, right? He says, listen, he's talking to a community of people, and in this time in his ministry, it's about two-thirds over, you know, the tide is beginning to turn against him as far as perse a, a, a persecution and opposition and even a, even a, a literal plot to take his life, and he, he kind of makes a pivot. And he says, listen, I'm going to change the way that I communicate and I'm going to communicate in a more creative way. And, but for you to understand what it is, it's kind of like telling secrets about the kingdom of God. I want to reveal something to you, but you need to get your heart around it if you're really going to understand what it is that I'm going to say. And these are the parables. And what he's really saying is this, I think in this parable. Each one of these parables, he's telling you something a little bit different about the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the reign of God, the, the power and presence of God in the world. Okay? He's telling you something about the kingdom of God in this case between his first coming and his second coming, the, 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 the day and time that you and I live in. And each one of these parables says something different. I think what he's saying here is that, this. In the midst of a very broken and, and morally bankrupt 
and corrupt world, right, whatever adjectives you want to put in there, in a world that seems very broken, in a world that seems very, um, you know, doesn't seem to make sense, whether it's in our communities or in communities around the world, God has hidden a treasure in it called the kingdom of God, right? Now, if it was you or me, we wouldn't do it that way. We'd say, boy, why would you be so unfanfare, unsensational when nobody's looking, sort of at the end of the day in a, in a very bland, colorful way? Why would you do that? Why not come from the sky and shout it from the rooftops and, you know, roll out the red carpet? And God says, it's not the way I do it. I want to tell you a secret, friends, disciples, Because I want you to be in touch with the power of God. I want you to be in touch with a calling of God that's bigger than your life. But I want the secret, I'm telling you, these parables are secrets, Jesus' words, not mine, is I'm going to hide it. I'm tucking it away like, it's a metaphor, like a treasure in a field, right? In the the previous parable, he said, the, 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 the field is the world. In the midst of a broken and corrupt and difficult and things don't add up and often disappointing world, I'm going to hide the kingdom of God. But this kingdom, God's power, okay, it holds the potential to turn an empty life, to turn a lonely life, to turn a sometimes you know, miserable life or pointless life into one that is truly rich and satisfying. That's why he found one of great value with joy. He sold every, everything he has so that he or she may buy it. This treasure, the kingdom of God, hidden in the field, hidden in the world, includes the forgiveness of sin. It includes deep love. It includes an abiding peace. Uh, but it also includes a eternal purpose right that's what this these two characters in these two parables are grabbing a hold of the call of god is is priceless and this purpose is greater than your job it's greater than your career it's greater than raising your wonderful family and it's greater than your greatest ambition and today is not simply, we're not here simply to celebrate what God's doing in the world, which we are, or to celebrate those through whom God is doing some interesting thing, our missionaries. In a sense, we're here to celebrate you, if you're a follower of Jesus, and me. The hidden treasure, okay? There's more than one way to look at these parables. That's why they're mysteries. That's why they're, they're challenges. They're not, they're not Christianity for dummies. They're not making it simple. They're making it harder, you got to think. you got to put your mind and your heart to work on these colorful illustrations and word pictures. One of the interpretations of this parable is it's you. The hidden treasure, the, the pearl of great price, is you. One um, commentator said this. These parables, though difficult to interpret precisely, these two, seem to illustrate God's love and care for his people hidden among the multitudes of the earth. For them, Jesus the merchant paid the supreme price. And that's not all. It's not just the the kingdom of God, the hidden treasure, isn't just that God loves you and God has brought you hope and you forgiveness and you lasting peace and you eternal purpose. It's not just about what God wants to do for you. It's what God wants to do through you. Okay? 
This is the heart of the message. The, the call of God must be sought out. See, there's a lot of Christians, I think, maybe I'm one of them at times, we're all Christians who maybe have experienced God's forgiveness, have experienced you know, um, some level of God's peace, but we've never really been, we've never encountered this sense of a, a life-transforming purpose. We've never gotten to something, say, this is so great, this is so amazing, I'm gonna sell everything that I have in a manner of speaking, everything that I've been living for in a manner of speaking, and I'm gonna put all my chips here because this is an amazing thing. With, for joy that was before him, this analogy. This guy who stumbles across this hidden treasure says, with great joy, he reburies it, and with excitement, not with duty, not with dread, not with ho-hum, not with what a bummer, with joy, he goes and sells everything he has, it's a comparative value statement, so that he can give his life and be involved in the greatest thing there is to be involved in, which is advancing or joining God in what he's doing in the world. The call of God must be sought out. Sought out Like a buried treasure, God's activity in the world, this is the meaning of the parable, is often hidden and it needs to be discovered. Right? Like a pearl of great value, it must be sought. Right? You have to go after it. You have to find it. You have to go on a journey in your life to find it. It's out there for those of us who are seeking but it's not always in obvious places. This is the big idea. It's not where you often think it would be, right? It's, in a sense, underwhelming. It's a treasure hidden in a field, right? It's a pearl that's really hard to find. You have to go out like a merchant and go find it. There's a problem, I think. What is the problem? Why is it that many of us, if, if, the, if the treasure hidden in a field is not only the kingdom of God as I experience it, love, forgiveness, right, and joy and a lasting peace, but the kingdom of God is also the experience of joining God a purpose in my life. Why is it that many of us, even in the church, I'm not, ta- I'm not talking to the world today, I'm talking to people who are showing up in church. Why is it that many of us miss it? And I would say this is why. This is my, this is my sense, that many of us, the, what gets in the way is our value system. See, we are in church, many of us are in church, but the value system, our value system that we have in everyday life, it's the value system of the world that we live in. And whether or not you know it, a value system isn't something that I can show you, it's in my pocket, but a value system is very real, and it dictates your life, and it's the lens through which you see your life. It's the lens in which you spend your money, where you spend your time. It is your value system, and you and I are making assessments and judgments multiple times every day, hundreds of times every week, and they are all seen through our value system. And so we can be in church, but we're walking right over the field. We're walking right past the pearls and the hidden treasure. God's not going to make a big announcement. It's not on a big stage. It's not, you know, coming to a theater near you. That's not how God works. He hides it in a field, right? And if, we're, and if our value system is just to walk over it or walk by it, we're never going to see it. There was a time, I think it's in 1 Kings, but it's a good analogy where the, 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 the great nation of Assyria came in and they completely overwhelmed the Jewish people in the Old Testament, right? All the tribes of Israel in the northern part of Israel. And they, 
They carted them off and then they repopulated the, 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 the nation of Israel with a lot of their different peoples they'd conquered from other nations. This is in the Old Testament. And while they're there for a period of time, these people that were all, you know, in a sense, you know, refugees or, you know, or, or, or re-immigrated re, um, into, the, into, the, into Israel, they were, they were brought from other countries. They didn't have any choice. They're living there. And it says in the Old Testament that all of a sudden wild animals... Lions, this sounds crazy, but this is in the Old Testament. Lions were coming and killing people, and it was so bad that they said, what gives? And their answer was, we don't know the gods of this land. It was a polytheistic world, the ancient world. And we got to have someone teach us about the gods because we're offending the gods. So they say, well, go find a priest from Israel. So they go and find a priest from Israel, a Levite, and they bring him in, 1 Kings, or maybe 2 Kings, they bring him in and they say, listen, teach us the way of God. And he did, right? They would sort of show up and go to church on Saturday. But it said, this is what happened. They worshiped the Lord. In other words, they learned how to do it. But it says, then they went home, but they served their own gods, okay? In other words, they were going through the motions, but they didn't change their value system. And that's why I think many of us, whether you've been in church for a year or many years, you see, we're not seeing what it is that God is doing, and that's why we're not joining him in doing it. The world sees things on a surface level, right? This is what I mean by the world values. It's the smart, it's the good-looking, it's the well-connected, right? That's, that's, that, that, that's what captures our imagination. It's the smart, it's the good-looking, it's the well-connected. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, here's the point, God hides his treasure. Not only his love, his power in the, in, the, in the Savior and in the gospel, but his purposes. He hides them in ordinary people and in very ordinary places. That's his way. Remember 1 Corinthians. For God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the things that are nothing to bring uh, to naught those the things that are in other words, if you're looking in the wrong places, right? You come to church, but your value system, my value system, I'm looking for the smart, I'm looking for the good looking, I'm looking for the well-connected. Luke chapter 17, Jesus says these words. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, see, that's what they're looking for, right? Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, right? You need a new way of thinking about this. It's not here or there. The kingdom of God does not come with a big banner. The kingdom of God does not come with, you know, with a movie trailer. The kingdom of God is not coming in the places you're looking for it. It's a hidden treasure. you got to find it. You're walking over it maybe every single day, and you're looking for it in the wrong places. This may sound strange uh, to some of you, maybe even offensive, but for the sake of trying to be truthful and honest, I, I'm going to suggest something to you that many of us, and I'm subject to this in my lifetime, I will, um, you know, I may never engage with, let's call it a missionary, right, or people that do this kind of work locally or globally, because basically, the times I have, I'm unimpressed. Right? You know, they're not, they're not very good communicators. I don't know, this isn't true of our missionaries, of course, but they, you know, they don't dress very good, you know, once this guy, could, you know, uh, anyone tell him how to dress or her how to dress, you know, they're, they're not very good communicators often, they're not very well dressed, they're not often very well spoken, they don't have a Twitter account, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and, and so I'm unimpressed. Just like people who come to a church like this one and sit next to me and you and don't come back, right? They have that same kind of judgment. Right? But see, what they're missing something. 
God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He takes his treasure and he buries it in ordinary people, in ordinary places. And I think many of us are walking over that field every single day over the top of the treasure, never taking time to dig below the surface to see what's there because we're otherwise occupied, because our value system has gotten in the way. When I was thinking about this parable, these twin parables, this is going to sound strange, but this is, you know, this, I, this is a true story. I, I felt like God brought to mind for me, which almost never happens, a scene of a movie, okay? And it's a movie that many of you probably haven't seen this a long time ago, but it was a biopic called Francis. It's a true story of Francis Farmer, who was a 30s and 40s big movie star, kind of a troubled movie star. But it was made into a movie. Tom's shaking his head. It was made into a movie. Um, Jessica Lange won a, an Oscar for it, or at least was nominated for an Oscar for it uh, years ago. And there's this scene and she's this troubled movie star who doesn't really fit into Hollywood, you know. And back in, it's true today, I suppose, also. But back then, I mean, people in Hollywood, especially women, they were caricatures. They were, you know, it was, much of it was just, you know, everything about them was sort of in some ways a, a, a make-believe lie. That was, they said, the way they were portraying it. You, you fit into the formula. And she didn't fit so well. And so she finds herself and says, I'm done with Hollywood, even though she was a big movie star in the 1930s. And she finds herself in New York City, and she wants to do stage play because she thinks that's where the real acting happens. And she has her first play by a famous um, playwright. His name is Clifford Odette. And um, he, and the scene I'm talking about is they're sitting outside of this movie, or out of this, on the back of the playhouse. And the movie still, or the, the play is still in um, rehearsal. And she walks out there, and he's sitting down there, you know, just sitting there, and she sits down next to him, and she goes, hey, what gives? Because he'd walked out in the middle of the rehearsal. And he was, so, he was so kind of unhappy with her performance. And he says, she said, Clifford, what gives? And he says, you see that woman over there? And it was, was kind of like a homeless woman there in the back of this um, theater. And he said, yeah. And he goes, tell me something. What is she, uh, tell me something about her shirt. What do you see? And he goes, she goes, well, it's red or something. He goes, that's all you see? She goes, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a shirt. She goes, that's a man's shirt she's wearing, not a woman's shirt. He goes, tell me something about her shoes. Do you see her shoes? And what are they, what, tell me something about them. And he said, she said, they're old. He said, they're not old. Those aren't shoes, those are slippers. He said, you don't actually see. And then he said this, if you want to be a true artist, you need to see things people don't see. Then you help them see it, and then they'll remember it. It's really so simple. Forget your private life, forget your problems, forget making money. Just dedicate yourself. That's what real art is, Francis. It's total dedication. You're not just some pretty face for people to admire. We're not in Hollywood anymore, he said. I don't want to entertain people. I want to change their lives. I want them to wake up in the middle of the night and realize the way they're living their life is completely wrong. That's what I think these parables are about. That's what Jesus is trying to say. He's saying, listen, there is a treasure hidden in a field in your life and you don't have to live in India. You can live wherever you live. It doesn't matter. 
And God has taken that treasure and he's not burying it. it don't look on your Twitter account. It's not where you're going to find it, okay? He's burying it somewhere in your life in ordinary people, in ordinary places. Saying, Listen, wake up. Open your eyes. And if to join God is the, one of the greatest privileges that we have. Listen, it's the purpose of your life, right? Right where you live, right where I live. And there, nothing else will truly satisfy. But you have to open your eyes. You have to realign your value system. And you need many of us to keep digging. Last point, the call of God demands a whole life response. Okay, this is what this parable is really about. It's not even simply about the finding, right? Some of us need to get on a search. We need to realize the, the call of God needs to be sought out. It's a treasure buried in a field. It's the pearl of great price, right? And you're all looking in the, well, many of us were looking in the wrong places, right? God hides it in ordinary people, and people, you know, who, who don't dress the way the world dresses, who don't speak the way the world speaks, who, aren't, who aren't, don't have that kind of fanfare. That's not how God works. But the real emphasis of this parable is not so much even in the finding of God's call for your life or my life. It's the overwhelming response to the discovery. Say, once your eyes have been opened, to seeing what God is doing in the world. Right? This could happen anywhere. It could happen in your neighborhood. It could happen in your, your you know, I told you this guys this story, uh, just a small little illustration, this homeless guy I've gotten connected with. And just the other day, now this guy's, he's back in the hospital, it's a long story, but I was in my gym locker room, okay, where I do, you know, when I'm not doing this, I'm in my gym locker room, no, but I'm in the gym locker room, and this is just last week, and this guy, I'd never met him before. He said, hey, good Samaritan, you know, I got a towel out. Like, what is this? Who's the good Samaritan? And, and then the guy says, hey, I saw you talking to that guy. Actually, this was a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, he, he saw me wheel, wheeling this guy down the thing. So then that was a couple weeks ago. Then I saw him yesterday. And he said, hey, um, ask me some more questions about this guy. And next thing you know, he says, and more or less said, how can I get involved? Okay. I got an idea. All right. The call of God demands a whole life response. Once your eyes are opened of what God is doing in the world, the natural response is to join him, right? It's not a, it's supposed to be a burden. It's not a, it's not, that's not what this, this doesn't say, you know, give God your due, give him his pound of flesh, you know, it's time for you to, to you know, to, to, to get real and, 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 and serve even if you're not interested. It says, then in his joy, he went out and sold everything he had to buy that field. Because to join God in what he was doing, he understood, was the purpose of his life. Philippians 3, 7, and 8. This is Paul's testimony. You've heard it before, but this is really what he's saying. When people said to the apostle Paul, why did you give up your career? Good night. You, you, you. In his world, he was a the top of the pyramid of um, professional success. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake, I'm adding this, I joyfully have lost all things. Okay, That's what we're talking about. 
to close our service, I, I want to bring up one of our missionaries um, who is here somewhere, I think. Uh, Mala, there she is. And Mala Malstead is the organization, her and her husband, Greg, who started Freedom Firm about, as she, uh, uh, I think, 20 years ago, or about, about 20 years ago. She's the one that's connected to this organization. So I thought I would just have her, since she's here, to ask her a couple questions about what we're talking about here this morning. And the first one is, Mala, as you think about even this parable, you know, um, a call transforming your life, redirecting your life. Just tell us, I know we don't have a lot of time, but a few minutes about when you first received the call that brought you um, to this work. Yeah, so for me it was a very specific um, time. I remember it so well. Um, I was 18, and I was a senior in high school in Atlanta, Georgia, and my parents were hosting a really good friend um, of theirs, longtime friend from India, and he had a slum school in India, and he um, was working with women, and he sat me down on the couch and said, Mala, I really want to tell you some stories. And so I sat down with him, and he started telling me about girls who were being sold into prostitution in Calcutta. And um, it was, you know, it was 1988. No one was talking about sex trafficking at that point. Churches weren't talking about it. The news wasn't talking about it. And, um, and after he was done telling me the stories, um, he said, you know, Mala, you were born in India. You have an Indian name. And I think God wants you to go to India and do something about this. And um, I think it's the first and last time somebody told me what they thought I should do with my life. Um, but I, I, my first response was just, no, I'm going to college. I want to be a teacher. Um, what can I do? I'm 18. What can, what can I do with that problem in India, you know? Um, and, and so he left, and, um, but then a really strange thing happened. Uh, the next couple days, I just started crying, and I walked around the house. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. My parents didn't know what was going on, and I just cried, and I cried, and I cried. And um, at the end of the two days, uh, I really felt like the Lord, um, I, I, I felt like there was this phrase the Lord gave me, and that was, Mala, the, the grief that you're experiencing right now is just a tiny bit of what I feel for my children. You, you get to participate in a tiny drop of what I, what I have, what, what I feel. And, um, and so at that point, I told the Lord, you know, it was almost like a branding. It felt that time was so um, such an extreme time for me. Um, but I really told the Lord, okay, I'll go to India. I, I, this, is, this is what you have for me in my life. And so I went to college, and, um, but the whole time I just had this dream that this is what I, so I told everybody at college, well, I'm going to India after college. And um, I did. I, I went and worked in his slum school, and right after I arrived in India, um, a couple months after, they rescued a 12-year-old. Um, from a brothel, well, her uncle was selling her into a brothel, and she was too chaotic. She had grown up on the streets and had been abused, and so she couldn't go to school right away, and so they asked me to work with her one-on-one, -on -one, and um, so we did artwork, and um, that was my first experience working with um, a severely traumatized girl, and I thought, yeah, this really is, this is what I wanna do. 
And about that time, Greg came to India. Um, that's another story. Um, but he proposed, and I, at the time, I thought, oh, wow. You know, I, God, I thought you were calling me to India, but there's this guy that I know is right for me. And little did I know that God actually was going to work in Greg's heart, and he was going to want to move to India and do uh, uh, rescue girls. And actually, all the work, almost all the work that happened in India was, was, was through Greg. But God had to give me a, a calling to go and raise up our family there. Um, so, yeah. So, I know you... Um I read a blog getting ready for this morning, and you had talked about, this has been 20 years. You mm -hmm. started this in, around the year 2000. So you guys have lived a lot of life, had four kids, and you, you answered this call. But mm -hmm. you had said in this blog that I wrote, you said there's, there's been a number of times over the years that I've been tempted to want to give up and mm -hmm. go back and live a different kind of life. Um, but I didn't. Uh, why not? Yeah, there were just so many hard things on the field. Um, <clears throat> it was hard raising kids in India. Uh, it was, there were a lot of relational challenges with our team, and the girls themselves were, were very challenging. And I think there were times I just felt like such a failure. Like, is anything we're doing making any kind of difference? And I, it was at those times when I felt like we aren't making any difference out here that I wanted to go back to the States or you know, leave, and it was remembering that calling that was so clear, and that God had asked me to go, and that if he asked me, then, you know, that's what held me, and so I, at those different times, I turned back and just leaned in, um, and I would say, you know, that, that just the incredible joy that has come from staying a long time in India, not going back after five years or 10 years or 15 years. Um, because the girls we rescued in 2000, we're still in some, we're, there's some of them that we're still in their lives and we know how they are. And we you know get the end to, of the story. Yeah, we get, yeah. well, we sort know of. part of their yeah. story, yeah. And we see what God's doing in their lives and we, mm. We um, get to have a relationship with them. And there's so much redemption in the story if you stay the long, you know, if, if you get to see them years and years later. And, um, yeah, so I just feel so privileged. And um, it's been such an incredible joy to, to be in India. In fact, I wish we hadn't gotten kicked out. Wish I was still there today. It's another story, too. I know. That's another story. Um, so in the last minute we have, you know, as you think about this uh, great group of people, many mm -hmm. who are school teachers and doctors mm -hmm. and students and all that here. Um, how can you encourage them to listen to God's call um, to find that treasure right here where they are today? Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, it's really about keeping your heart soft. I think it's so easy to go through life really protecting your heart because there, there is so much suffering in the world, and we see it all the time on TV, and we know, we know about it, right? And we feel it ourselves, and you know, in all the different countries I've lived in, the common denominator, whether you're rich or poor or whatever background you've had, is suffering, you know, that we have straying children, we have broken marriages, we, we lose people we love in life. Um, those are the things that bind us together as human beings. And so allowing some of that 
to, to feel God's heart for the hurting world. I, because once you catch a glimpse of, of how he looks at us, it, it completely changes your life. Mm. And uh, it's not a chore, it's not, it's not hard to, to um, respond to that call in the way he wants you to. So. Amen. Yeah. Thank you very Thanks. much. Let's give her a hand. So guys, the last thing that we're going to do, stand to your feet. We're going we're gonna, to um, sing or reprise a song. We want to give uh, the Lord a chance to, to work in your heart. And our ushers are going to come down. I hope many of you have already filled out your card. Um, where's God calling you? Take a step this morning as we sing, as we celebrate, uh, and uh, make a decision. And... Um, take a step and, and allow God to do something uh, to move you closer to the buried treasure that he has for you today and me today. Amen.